0: Hello, and welcome to The Union Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh, and this is episode 36. And if you're new to The Union Podcast, this podcast is all about God's design for sexuality, identity, marriage, relationships, and we believe um, just that really that God's design for all these areas is a great design. And when that design has been compromised We believe that Jesus is enough, that Jesus can make all things right and make all things brand new. If you are a return listener to the Union Podcast, we so appreciate you. Thank you for joining us here again. We would love it if you would comment, subscribe, and share this podcast and just help us to spread the word, help us to spread uh, this message of God's restoring power and God's design for sexuality, marriage, all all those big important items and all those unique dynamics of the human experience. Today, Bonnie and I get to sit down with Mo Aiken, who's also formerly known as Mo Isom. Her and her husband, Jeremiah, have been married for six years, and she took on Jeremiah's last name, obviously. But um, she is an author and a speaker, and she has just a great perspective on... Um, just really the, the design of sexuality and relationship with Jesus, and how they're not supposed to be exclu- mutually exclusive. That they're that they're not they're not supposed to be separated from each other. That the, that the decisions that we make in these areas of, of our life are directly connected to our relationship with God, and are actually God gives us an invitation to come and know Him more. And this is actually what her new book, uh, Fully Known, is all about. It's an invitation to true intimacy with God. Um, I again I could not just say this enough. This conversation was so amazing, so refreshing and insightful. Um, I encourage you to uh, get a notepad out or just even just take some time. If you might be driving right now, try to find a way to, you know, just really focus in to what Mo has to share. So without further ado, let's pick it up here with Mo.
1: You're listening to The Union Podcast, The union exists to bring biblical confidence and clarity to the topics of relationships and sexuality. On this podcast, we unpack the damaging effects of modern sex culture and discuss how to heal from the past and enrich your relationships. Here are your hosts, Brian and Bonnie Pugh. Hello, Mo. Welcome to the podcast. We are so glad to have you with us today.
2: Thank you so much. This is a treat. I'm, I'm happy to be with you guys too.
1: Awesome. So here at the union, we, you know, we're having some conversations around sexuality and relationships. And just recently you have released a book um, that we are excited to talk with you about today. But before we do that, could you just tell us a little bit about your life, you know, separate from being an author and a speaker, um, tell us about your family.
2: So the bulk of my actual life then, because the (laughs) author, the writing, the speaking that we squeak in. Uh, when we can pull it off, but I am um, married six and a half years. Come on, to my husband Jeremiah. Yes, we live in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and in uh, six years are a week away from having four kids to show for it. So come on, I'm uh, a mom to um, a five year old, a three year old, an almost two year old, and soon to be number four. Um, mm. And that's really, I mean, it doesn't sound so glamorous and exciting, but to me it is. I love it. We delight in this being the bulk of our days. We consider ourselves really this multi-generational family team on mission together. And so when that's able to be activated and out and traveling or ministering or, you know, pouring words onto a page, um, that's beautiful, but our heartbeat really is is cultivating a healthy home and a healthy family and, um, sort of allowing all things to flow from that. So we work with, uh, I shouldn't say we work with, we get to shepherd and be a part of a house church fellowship here in Atlanta and, um, just growing in, in special friendships and relationships and sewing into this area as well as being out, you know, across the country too, getting to, to speak truth when we're able. So
0: oh, it's an adventure.
2: It. It's very busy. <laughs> it's very, oh, yeah. uh,
0: no kidding. Cool.
2: you guys know that well with six. So we
0: do. Yeah, we, we get that. But I love what you said, like that you refer to yourself as a team, because that's just it, isn't mm-hmm. it? That we're, yeah, we are a team. We're in this together, you know, whether we win or we lose, we're in this together. And that's, uh, this is such a great perspective. Um, now you're, this is actually your third book. And now some of the, some of the people listening might be familiar with, you wrote a book called wreck my life, which we're going to talk a little bit today you also wrote a book called sex, Jesus, and the conversation, the church forgot. Why, why is this topic of sexuality just so important to you?
2: Well, it certainly wasn't where, um, I, I imagined things would go from the beginning, right. Is our journey with, with Jesus ever (laughs) exactly linear. Um, a lot of people are like, how did you go from the soccer player in college to like the sex lady? And I'm, Like that, it wasn't the design. I don't know, (laughs) but we got here. um, I think when, uh, when I came to know Christ truly in college through a lot of adversity and then just a radical encounter with um, him personally, it was one of the first layers of my life. Um, My sexuality, sort of my sexual testimony it was one of the earliest pieces that he really began to touch and to minister and to heal. And I think a lot of the Samaritan woman at the well, who's having Mm. this exchange with him, she, she carries such a reputation. You know, she is weighed down. The very thing she needs this living water for uh, is the thing that he, he touches on and he reaches down to, and um, it felt very similar in my story. And so I, I guess when I was sort of processing the full arc of my testimony, I was realizing, wait, there's a whole parallel layer of sex and sexuality. And like this Mm -hmm. sexual testimony of brokenness and confusion and perversion and pain. And then this encounter with Jesus and this radical shift, this healing and this redemption and this restoration and it transformed so much within me to allow him really to access those deep, painful sort of shameful places right. that, and I, and I recognized in that process, I wasn't actually getting destroyed. Like I imagined it wasn't crushing or killing me. It wasn't, um, how do I summarize? It wasn't as scary as I thought it would be mm-hmm. to allow him to heal those places And there was such freedom and such power that came. All I cared to do was tell anyone who would listen about that. And there were so many around me navigating so much pain in that area, Mm -hmm. so much brokenness. And so um, he really just compelled me to begin speaking into that layer, a layer that really the church is very silent on, or yeah. we've bought into the nature that it's taboo and sure. we're uncomfortable talking about it, or we don't understand the connections yeah. between his heart, his word and our sexuality and, you know, his design and his redemption. And so just began to raise my voice in that space. And I think, especially after publishing sex, Jesus, and the conversations, the church forgot, and then ministering in that lane
0: mm-hmm. for
2: a year to two years Just sitting at his feet specifically around that lane, that topic, he just began to draw me deeper and deeper and deeper in the layers and the parallels and the whys, you know, so much more than the surface level, right or wrong, good or bad, but the whys. So that's how the newest book, Fully Known, was really birthed out of understanding, oh, this was so much bigger than you just fixing my sexual mess.
0: Yeah. This was
2: because your gospel comes alive through understanding this stuff rightly. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a, it's been just a journey of one step at a time and, and deeper and deeper dive. And, um, it's been a a real joy and honor to be able to communicate that Mm -hmm. the hunger with which it's received too.
0: Yeah. Uh, I love that. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Now, like some of you or some of our listeners might know that like you're an author, but Mm -hmm. you mentioned being at LSU, you Mm -hmm. were a soccer player. You're, you were uh, you know, playing a high level competitive soccer for Louisiana state, but you're also a goalie to score from over 90 yards. I saw this on (laughs) YouTube. I'm like, come on, like, let's go. Let's, it really
2: happened. I look back and I think how, how yeah. did that happen? Because now if I tried to kick anything, I'd tear everything. Yeah. Every muscle would be done for. Well, so I like could, to reflect on those days as well.
0: Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Cause you could absolutely crush the ball. Like I was, when I was watching, I was like, that's insane. But so you're, you're playing, you know, as any competitive athlete, because I can tell you have a very competitive, strong competitive edge, like mm-hmm. any competitive athlete to be playing at a high level. is just like a dream. Um, and yet in the middle of that, there's tragedy that comes can you tell us about how god got a hold of you through through that tragedy
2: yeah wow to summarize a um a crazy season yeah, um
0: for real. into
2: you know a bite sized piece it, it was interesting because growing up um competitive and athletic and you know striving to be the very best Mm -hmm. in sport, in soccer was such a blessing and and certainly warranted, you know, the advancement to college through scholarship and playing it at a high level with the Olympic development programs and whatnot. But it also, um, it also was that challenge too of it was it hardwired a lot into me, or maybe it just amplified my, (laughs) my hardwiring of, I was a perfectionist and and a performer and, worked for what I earned. And that's awesome in sports, a little dangerous when it starts to roll into the other layers of our life. Absolutely. um, for me, it very much did sort of reach and touch every layer of my life um, from relationships to uh, goodness, academics to athletics. I mean, across the board. And I really began to struggle very early, the high school years with really big identity issues as a Mm. result. Because if I succeeded and, you know, achieved what I was working for, it's on top of the mountain. If I fell any degree short, was just Mm. wrestled so deeply with my worth, my value that manifested into eating disorder and self-harm issues that I carried through high school, uh, went off to college and had an amazing freshman year. That's when I scored that goal and, um, yeah, it was just a whirlwind of amazing instance after amazing instance, but very much felt on top of the world, sort of cloud nine, went home for Christmas break. And um, my dad in that time put a gun to his heart and pulled the Mm. trigger. Suicide suddenly entered my story. And if you want to add the layers, if I'd always been a worker and a performer and a perfectionist, it was to impress my dad. And so then having this, Abandonment, really? Yep. Um, man, deeply wounded my heart. Catapulted me into depression, anxiety, um, yeah. promiscuity. My goodness, any any sin sized piece I could mm. find to fill the God sized hole in my heart.
0: Right. Because right.
2: Because I I knew a lot about God. I was raised up in the Bible Belt in the U.S. You know, I mean, it was cultural, sure. but have adversity or pain or trauma occur. And it is um, amazing how quickly we will blame God and just turn and run. And that was at least my, my narrative. And so um, a really, really dark season, even suicidal myself at times, almost feeling the spiritual weight of if your father was capable of this, not only Mm. are you capable of it, but it's inevitable. Like just those lies Mm -hmm. that just, Mm crush us. And I remember almost a full year after my dad passed, I was headed home on the interstate from Baton Rouge to Atlanta and really at one of my darkest spots, just wrestling with this God who maybe I believed, but I just despised, you know, and, (laughs) um, it was, it was on that trip. I, I lost control of my vehicle at one point, ended up flipping it several times and hanging upside down in a ravine at 1.30 in the morning was the very place that the spirit of the living God just poured into the midst of my mess and overwhelmed me with this personal revelation of the mm. gospel. I'd heard it a million times over. Sure. Um, I could have told you a lot about the word. I could have told you a lot about Jesus. Right. Um, but it was this really raw most broken state encounter. I mean, I was very physically wounded as well
1: Yeah.
2: um, with this God who was like, be still and know that I am God and I love you. And I didn't just take the cross for your sins. I took the cross because of your sins. It became very personal. And yet he also met me with, and I stayed. Like I, I, he could have come down, he could have changed course. Mm. Yeah. He stayed for a yeah. rebel and a promiscuous anxiety riddled, depressed woman like me, who was an expert at faking fine to anyone yeah. who looked mm. on, but was just ravaged inside. And there was just a choice moment there. If I was going to continue to choose to allow kind of the haphazard winds of life to like blow my broken pieces back together. Or if I was going to trust him as the creator, as the lover of my soul, as the one who made me and desired to use me and know me and transform me, I'd allow him to begin the work of, of redeeming, rebuilding me. Wow. And it was a yes for me um, because <laughs> I was just overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed by the goodness and the mercy and the love of this Jesus that I was now meeting, not just hearing about, not Mm -hmm. just memorizing, but encountering when I needed him most and trajectory changed from, from that point forward, Uh, certainly still plenty of valleys and hard times and challenges and low seasons, but yeah. Oh, a relationship that sustains through it all. And Um, yeah, it was a, that was a mega turning point for me, a lot of adversity and then a tsunami of grace (laughs) and it just changed everything. Yeah.
0: Love it. Thanks so much for sharing that, man. Of course. Yeah. I'm not crying. You're crying.
2: (laughs) Well, I was going to, I was going to add, meanwhile, like this is what's so interesting. We look to so many people's lives or we look at like college students or friends in our midst and. A lot of what I was navigating just looked like the average college student, to be honest. No one would have guessed unless there was intimate relationship there, friendship, the depth. And at the same time too, I was still performing athletically. It was like, that was another mask I could hide behind. Maybe Mm -hmm. a reprieve kind of from feeling the weight and the heaviness of reality. And so I just, whenever I reflect on my testimony, I mean, it's years back now, but I just Mm -hmm. think, man... It gives me a tender heart for the people around me to not just go and do life flippantly or quickly, but to see people Mm -hmm. because there's so much going on
0: Mm. in
2: the layers and the depths, you know, underneath the people around us. And, um, God wants to meet each and every, each and every one. So,
0: so good. He's so so faithful.
1: Yeah. That's so good. I really appreciate that thought of slowing down to see, you know, this young generation, what they're facing, and that Mm -hmm. they might, they might be pretending to be fine. Right. But we have to have eyes, you know, if we're carriers of the gospel of Jesus, we need to have eyes to not fall for, like, we can't fall for that. It's like, we know that sin brings us to pain and death. Mm -hmm. So then it's like that pain and death is hidden somewhere. And if we will follow, follow Jesus way and slow down and make eye contact, Yeah, you know, I, even lately through the pandemic, you know, the COVID and everything I've been surprised by how eager the young, you know, like young cashiers or waitresses or whatever are like, if I say, how are you? And like, Mm -hmm. really mean it. Like it's like their eyes are hungry. They're like, Mm. Oh, like someone noticed me, you know, and I I gotta, I gotta remember to slow down, you know, Mm -hmm. cause there's Mo there's, there's Mm -hmm. us, you know, we're there. We're all the same in the same. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So true. I really, um, I really appreciate how you're talking there about God kind of just pulling you into this, you know, that place of deeper, like knowing him, right? Mm-hmm. like you knew about him. You could quote the verses. I grew up, I grew up in the church as well. And it was not till I was later, um, you know, 19 or so that I actually encountered and, um, was able to start that journey of surrender and really knowing his voice and that kind of stuff. And, right. um, one thing I'd love to hear your thoughts on, I know you, you mention it in your book, fully known, or it's a big theme is that concept of how, um, we all humans do desire intimacy. We desire to know, to know and be known. Can you talk about that a little bit? And then how that's even reflected, um, how that reflects Christ in the church. Can you just share some of your heart on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it's, it's, Hardwired at the, the deepest core of, of our design as His creation to know oneness and intimacy. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden. In, in this divine place, they knew perfect oneness with God. There was, uh, what does the word say? They, they stood naked and unashamed. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Even in the spiritual context, right. there was, a there was a purity of vulnerability, a raw, unbridled trust. There was a connection that they literally walked in the midst of the holiness of God.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And this was the very good creation from the beginning. He made it all. and It was good mm-hmm. that there was this oneness and intimate unity. Um, But then of course, as we see in the garden and as we navigate in our own lives, it's like the deceiver entered in and temptation, sin, this enticing allure of autonomy, of Mm -hmm. life by your own terms, figure it out for yourself. You could be like God, you know, this, any form it takes in our lives. And it takes many, Mm -hmm. this invitation to not know A connective oneness, but to sort Mm -hmm. of forge ahead for ourselves. It's the very thing that drew mankind to the fall. Mm -hmm. And what is so devastating about this is that it looks like a a desirable, appealing thing, right? Um, It it looked good, satisfying, but we're not actually stepping into this freedom. It's a false freedom. We end up getting trafficked into this brothel of sin. I mean, we just get drawn out from intimacy and pandered Mm -hmm. (laughs) towards the lust of anything that appeals, anything we think will satisfy, anything that uh, man can offer that momentary fix or pleasure. We just become literally, as Paul says, enslaved Mm -hmm. to our sin. And the beauty and the power of what God showed me, even as I was writing this book was Man, the, the rescue mission that Christ came on, even as it's prophesied in Genesis, this is the very thing marriage prophesies. Absolutely. Christ leaves his father's house to come and to receive his bride, wow. the church, you and I, and the two come together and they are naked and unashamed. And I just thought, oh, the picture this is painting for us is that he comes on this rescue mission to bust down these brothel doors, to bring us out of darkness into the light. And then he takes a knee, just as he finds us right where we are, promiscuous, depressed, anxious girl that he met in that car accident. He didn't say, wow, rescued you, but clean yourself up. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I'll consider a relationship with you. Absolutely, He said, I am your bridegroom, will you be my bride? he takes this knee for us and proposes this marriage covenant and i mean so so often i liken it to the beauty of what i experienced even with jeremiah having come out of such a broken past that he would know of my past and take a knee for my future was like yeah wow whoa what kind of love is this you know but this is the very thing christ does for us and what that journey then moving forward of intimacy with god looks like changes and transforms everything. But I think a lot of the time because, uh, we, the enemy has done such an effective work of deceiving us to God's character, deceiving us to our own identity, where we began, what the whole work of the gospel is seeking to restore us to back to the garden, back to his heart, back to this intimate oneness. We, um, We're, we're, we stay stuck in the brothel or we receive this invitation from Jesus, but this learned helplessness like sends us back Mm -hmm. to, to our imprisonment Um, because the thought of intimacy has been so confused or Uh wounded or Mm We've been so hurt by others. And I know I'm sort of speaking in like artistic metaphorical form, but it's all through the word. It's imagery he uses throughout the whole of his word because our hearts understand it. My and your hearts understand we long for connection with another person. It's why you're married. It's why, you know, Mm -hmm. it's why we navigate life so much. We're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to be isolated just like what you said with the cashier in the pandemic to look someone in the eyes and say, how are you? Mm -hmm. We are wired to long for this connective oneness and, and to be seen and to see another. And so unfortunately the enemy has so deceived us to the goodness of God, to our original intended identity, to what he wants to restore us to that we seek any and all means to, fill that void. Yeah. Um, and to, you know, feel that type of deep connection, but even in the most beautiful context with one another, it still isn't, it, it's not the satisfaction our soul needs of it being a communion with Christ. Yeah. With God. And that right. restoration, that reception of that, like marriage proposal, it, it changes it changes everything because mm-hmm. suddenly we realize I am seen and I am known. And just like the Samaritan woman at the well, you aren't looking at my mess and then like popping up and bailing because wow, right. you've got too much. Like yeah, yeah, you, you stay, it's an abiding love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a covenant that you, that you God aren't straying from. And yeah. so my invitation is to, is to invest as well and explore you all the more. Yeah. And that's what really leads us into the intimacy that changes everything. But yeah. I think a lot of times we, we get stuck in this confusion point because uh, my friend Julie, the other day was talking about the beauty of this bride bridegroom metaphor of marriage and what it shows us. And she was like, you know, if the enemy can mute the metaphor, then he mm-hmm. takes significant spiritual ground. Yeah, if wow. he can cause us to not be able to see or understand it. By whatever wound or trauma or pain, then That's, he takes a ton of ground because we won't even want to respond yeah. to that invitation from God. You know, that feels really? vulnerable, scary. You're going to abuse me. You're going to leave me. Right. You know, um, but it's, man, such a beautiful full feast. Yeah. And uh, is the greatest answer to what our souls are
0: longing for. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like, we were just talking just before we, you know, before we started, hit, kind of hit record here about, how when it's come to the topic of sexuality and that exclusivity of you know like our sexuality being connected to the type of decisions that we make in a relationship with jesus like we've seen in the, kind of even the current church culture this isn't even talking about where the world's at right but this is in yeah. the current church culture we have started to separate the choices that you make in this area from your your devotion And your covenant, like you, like you just brilliantly unpacked this covenant that we have with Jesus. And so it's like, it doesn't matter what I do in the areas of sexuality, because I'm doing all these other areas. Um, And we were talking about in chapter three, um, you're like, it just jumped off the pages to us um, and you're and fully known. So we'd love it if you could just unpack that for our listeners, just how these areas are not meant to be separate from, from our devotion to Christ.
2: Yeah, it was um, like, I won't say a gut punch, but it startled me when God started to connect these dots for me, mm-hmm. because everything I, I just said, I noted, oh, sorry, if this sounds like artistic or metaphorical, but it's really actually not. It's the physical picture that is making evident the spiritual condition Come on, behind yeah. it. Yeah. It's how... Um, (laughs) whether it's carried out in a healthy way or a broken way physically in our lives is ultimately a reflection of if we understand intimacy at the core, at the deepest root and with God in a healthy way or a broken way. And I remember I was traveling all around the country and I was speaking at a lot of different universities and um, big conferences. And uh, I, I started to notice, well, I'll give one example in particular. I was speaking at this conference in New York city and um, there were these two people that went up before me. One of them was a woman testifying to uh, this radical sacrifice she made in her life uh, to, to generously pour out and give to another who was in need, even though she didn't have much. I mean, it was the most beautiful story of just a life transformed Mm-hmm. by her, her sacrifice and this beautiful video played. And I'm just like about to weak side stage because I'm like, this is it. This is the gospel. And like, when she finished the claps were like golf claps in the crowd. And then a woman went up right after her. And cause it's a women's conference. They're like, give away time. Who wants a, you know, bag of books, who wants that? The women went crazy.
0: Oh, they man. just. Wow.
2: And I remember, cause I get a little feisty sometimes I need to work <laughs> on it, but I walked up on stage to speak right after that. And I was like, what a shame that <laughs> this is the current state of our church culture. The words that the Lord gave me of this is just masturbatory faith. Oh, wow. And I thought, it, you know, it connected, I use that New York example, but it connected to traveling to all of yeah. these colleges all around and seeing this self-serving, self-seeking, shallow walk of faith that is so hungry for the surges and highs and pleasures of what could be offered, but doesn't even have a comprehension or understanding of the sacrificial, long-enduring, intimate exchange. Mm. And when the Lord gave me that word, masturbatory faith, I was initially like excuse
0: me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What did you just uh, say? What?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but it, it began to click and make so much sense because he yeah. had even brought me through and delivered me of even addiction and struggles in that way a few years prior. Mm. And I so understood the draw and the pull that we experience in the physical to what I want when I want it on my own time at my own hand, you know, however, mm-hmm. um, however it looks. Mm-hmm. I, and yet then I came into a marriage and I realized, mm-hmm. wow, intimacy is like very that? different,
0: yeah, <laughs> totally.
2: very different than that. And the, the issue that we really see from that in the physical, but also as it parallels to mm-hmm. how we're approaching the throne, how we're communing with God or navigating our faith is that it really is a counterfeit wow. intimacy and it bears no fruit. Mm. There's yeah. no sowing of seed. There's no exchange. There's going to be no life form. If you want to think about pregnancy as a metaphor here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's nothing conceived to be born forth. It is a, a counterfeit encounter with God yeah. Yeah. where we feel all the surges, right? right? But we haven't actually looked him eye to eye or known him face to face. And so I thought, oh, dang. That is like the primary thing I would see over the American church right now, over church culture. Mm -hmm. And the next picture he sort of took me to was he was like, Yes, isn't it a lot like spiritual porn? And I was like, Whoa, oh my goodness. Because, yes, it's this consumerism viewership. Oh, come on. Yeah. Go, let me look upon the perceived intimacy of another and God. Right. Let me just. Yeah glean from that and assume that I have had this powerful exchange as well. Because again, porn, same effect. It's right. going to give you the urge. It's going to give you the rush, but you're going to be left barren because again, you're not actually engaging in any form of true intimacy. Yeah, It's another counterfeit deception. And he just began to take me piece by piece through these very broken forms of perverse you know, intimacy, quote unquote, yeah, that is rampant in our culture, in our world, in our own lives and hearts many times. And how ultimately, yes, very problematic at the physical layer, but even in the deeper space, it is confusing us to the truth of intimacy. And it is deeply affecting our walk as yeah. his And so other, you know, pieces and parts that he took me through was just this adulterous hearted posture as well. We claim God and then
0: uh, Mm -hmm. he's
2: my, he's my one true love on Sunday for an hour. And then it's like, but every other idol actually is the bed we crawl into throughout the week. You know, every other idol is who Mm -hmm. we worship. This shamelessness as well, as we can sort of liken it in the physical to this uh, tender, tender life of connection of swipe. And I send you a naked picture before I've seen you eye to eye, you know, it's like this shameless performance that actually leaves us very wounded and insecure, longing for approval, longing for acceptance, hoping that we we've shown enough or appealed enough that that person will stay. Right. Well, hello. That was a huge one bleeding into my faith, my, my walk with Christ Mm -hmm. performer. I was um um let I me mean, do the best I can and work my hardest and do all the things and please don't leave me. Also a girl with a suicidal dad. So that's like my deepest wound. Right, right. Is it good enough? Like ha- have I done well enough that it, it would compel you to stay? Hmm. And this shamelessness that we navigate, the impure marriage bed, man, when true intimate relationships in our lives are unhealthy or feel unsafe or wound us so there's not healthy communication these things deeply damage us to understanding how god wants to commune with us yeah. we feel unsafe you know yeah. we feel like unheard like we don't have a voice or i would even say like oppressed or degraded by the things that he'll call of us mm. we see ourselves as servant rather than bride like wow. slave mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. rather than um Man, one in soul, and so, mm-hmm. um, and then I, I think I talked as well about wounded identities as, um, man, the enemy's probably most effective work in us is just this deception of our roles. So I likened this kind of to homosexuality. If we would understand bride to bridegroom, you know, mm-hmm. what man prophesies, what woman prophesies in Christ, this complementary picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the deeper layers of this stuff is when. We feel like, uh, it. I can determine the order, the structure, I can determine what's best in my life. I'll just lead, I'll just you know, forge Mm -hmm. ahead. Mm -hmm. We, we, the church just sort of moves past the need for Christ, and it is a, a production or an intimacy or a carrying of ourselves as though everything's relative and we determine truth as we go. Wow. And man, uh, human looks to human, you know, for um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: connection and God's like, I'd love to be a part of that equation. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. You're missing me
0: yeah. and,
2: and things are out of order, you yeah. know? And um, so it was just a really, I hope people make it past chapter three. I think <laughs> I said that to y'all earlier, but it was, deeply convicting, and also profound, like to wrestle with God through how those things were impacting my walk of faith. Sure, I might not be, you know, walking in homosexuality in the physical, but I can understand how this this confused, wounded identity is is somewhere rooted in there, because I'm often approaching my faith in these same paralleled ways. So it was really interesting. And I, I encourage people as they're reading through too to don't just see, oh, this physical one applies. This one doesn't, yeah. but see the full feast of like the full mm-hmm. picture of what he's trying to show us yeah. Yeah. and humbly assess how have I confused intimacy with you. Yeah. And, and then the rest of the book walks through what it's truly meant to look like. But yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like I wish, I hope I'm like, I want everybody to hear this message because if they do, then reading the scriptures is going to come alive in a new way.
0: Yeah. Because I, re-
1: I remember reading the Bible as a, you know, a 12 or a 13 year old and like being like, God, why do you talk in the language of adultery to mm-hmm. your, like, why did the prophets come and use the language of adultery? Right. Why did they, why do you say the bride or why do you, you know, all this mm-hmm. imagery. Um, and of course there was the, like you're saying, the physical manifestation of these spiritual issues, mm-hmm. but it actually makes the Bible make sense. I think like you see it come, like just be woven together, you know, Mm -hmm. it starts in Genesis and then even all the way to revelation where he's like, and then there will be the, the feast of the bride and the bridegroom. It's going to be a wedding feast, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And so if we think of it um, I love that just that we move out of that place of slavery or servanthood and come closer and closer into like, I just thought that's beautiful. What you said, he got down yeah. on a knee and he mm-hmm. just said, will you be mine? Yeah. He, yeah, And he has marks on his hands and says like, I've made covenant with you. Like, will you take right. this? Oh, right. It's just yeah. so it's, beautiful. It's
2: powerful. Even to revelation, he compares uh, the, the true church as, you know, the pure bride. And mm-hmm. then he speaks of the great prostitute. Yeah. He, he still is using this imagery yeah. to help us understand the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. Yeah. And it is like, yeah, exactly what you said. It almost felt like in receiving this revelation, which was, took time. Like, mm-hmm. It wasn't like I woke up one day and was like, everything yeah. clicks, but yeah. it felt like being handed like a key to decode yeah. greater depth in his word. And it actually began, and I write about this in chapter one, um, it began with the willingness to wrestle through a scripture that felt very condemning and like scary Mm
0: -hmm. of
2: Matthew 7, 21 through 23. It talks about not all who say to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. Only those who do the will of my father. Many will say to me, did we not prophesy? We cast demons, you know, we perform Mm -hmm. miracles, but to them, I will say, I never knew you. Yeah. And that word new in the Hebrew, you know, how in like language translation, there could be like eight words in one language. And then yeah. English is like, well, I'll just say it's this one word. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like These things have vastly different meanings. So this version of new, I never knew you is actually the same version used when you would see like, and Joseph had not yet known Mary, meaning mm. he hadn't yet been sexually intimate with her you know, and the man took and knew his wife. Yeah. And suddenly when that began to click and like you said, you were, you could read the word and it was like, Whoa, now I'm seeing this sexual, you know, na- like wording you use mm-hmm. all throughout mm-hmm. said, so this is the most beautiful invitation I've ever seen. This wow. is, this isn't condemning me. This is an invitation to something greater than just doing for Come on. him. Yeah. Yeah. It's an invitation to being with him.
0: Yeah. And
2: and of course I want to to experience that now and stand before him and hear well done. You Absolutely. know, welcome home. <laughs> like yeah, yes versus you you kept doing. You just kept doing 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 in your own strength and your own power in wow. my name. But why wouldn't you just come be with me? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> but that's so anti everything I've ever learned. What yeah. do you mean? I'm a performer. I'm a doer. I'm a, yeah. you know, go all the yeah. way back to the start of the conversation. So many of us, it's like, that's how I've earned my worth.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: well, I took a knee right where I found you. I didn't, I don't yeah. need you to prove yourself to me. It's so I've, good. I've already chosen you. And, um, man, that intimacy, then it's like the, the works flow out of that and their spirit conceived, you know, they're like build the kingdom and they're effective and productive, but we're such a flipped mindset in our modern world.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're like
2: work. And then it'll be enough to earn the right to climb into that marriage. bed. you know what I mean? Like, totally. But he's like, my, my kingdom is very upside down from that. And I want you to understand it. And it's such a kind invitation from
0: him. Yeah. And I think too, like once we, once we've kind of tasted and seen that he's good, Mm -hmm. the, everything else, like the, the, the counterfeit that we experience through, like you said, like through pornography, masturbation, these, these, uh, secondary realities or these counterfeit realities of what is meant to be that we were designed for. Like once we actually taste and see that he's good, man, the desire for those things just falls away. Mm -hmm, You know what I mean? Um, But what would, I think just in closing here, like, what would you say to somebody who, as you were going through all those kind of hard hitting points of chapter three, and they're seeing themselves right now Mm -hmm. in one of those places, what would you say to them? Like, how do, how do they take the next step to get out of that place?
2: Oh my goodness. I would say I saw myself in every single one of those places too mm-hmm. and still daily ask him to search my heart, to seek. Still, we wrestle yeah. temptation. We Absolutely. wrestle the realities of our humanity colliding with this holiness. It's
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's dynamic. And whether someone listening is in the throes, I mean, this is coming from, we didn't touch on this yet, but I was addicted to porn for over a decade from Mm. nine to 19, you know, and add the self-pleasure, add, you know, all of these various things, um, whether you're in the throes of that right now. And all of this seems like the weirdest language you've ever (laughs) heard, like wrapped around this stuff or whether you have, you know, been moving out of that, but that pull is still so strong. Um, wherever, life finds you, I would just encourage and remind that his mercies are truly new every morning. And we are not created for this intimate oneness and unity in order to be Christians who just kind of cope and try yeah. to figure out how to fake it. Come on. Christ came to set the captives free. And he wants to reach, to meet, to find each and every one of us and he's willing right where we are. If we will simply, what does the word say? Draw near to me. I will draw near to you. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And that, that phrase right there, I get such a picture of like, man, the woman, the adulteress to be stoned, caught red handed. There's no excuse. Mm -hmm. Some people are listening. You just clicked away from a porn like app. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just the reality caught red handed and, and, and he doesn't cast a stone and those who could condemn the stones fall all around yeah. him, but he raises her up. I just see this when we humble ourselves before him, I just always get this image of him, like lifting my chin, like, Hey, you have the dignity to stand. Hmm. You don't even have to <laughs> shakingly crouch down. And he says, now go and sin no more.
0: Yeah. Right?
2: And when I encountered that it wasn't perfection from that point forward but there was a newfound love that compelled me to honor what had been done for me. And that process of walking forward day by day, Lord, renew my mind, help me make the right choice here. Teach me, heal me. Yes. That yeah. day by day sanctifying journey. Oh, if it's rooted in the revelation of that love, it becomes so beautiful. Um, but he, that, that love has the power to cause those stones to fall. He, Mm. he truly came to set us free. And the word says, those who are free are free indeed, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And so I would just encourage anyone listening, no matter what place on the map, it finds you to, to go to the quiet place, to get in your closet, to Mm -hmm. fall on your knees, bedside, to stop your car and say, heavenly father, I can't do this on my own. I've been trying. I'm confused. I'm overwhelmed. I recognize all of these things. Yeah. Holy spirit. Would you fall on me? Like, Mm. yeah, fill me, speak to me, purify me. It's only going to be by your power that these chains are broken.
0: Absolutely. And
2: that invitation is available to us right now, every day. It's, it's, it's there and it's available. And, um, and it found me in the messiest in the, like the great prostitute position <laughs> uh, and it did it. It has the power oh, yeah. to do it over and over again. And so I would just encourage people to know that truth, no matter what their backstory looks like or the trauma they've endured or yeah. the trauma that's been inflicted upon them. Sure, the enemy doesn't get to win a day more of our story.
0: Yeah. Uh, we
2: have, we have a King who's on a knee before us and that's kind of amazing yeah. and it's available for whosoever yeah. would call on the name of the Lord.
0: Yeah. Mo, no, thank you so much for this. this has been absolutely an amazing conversation. And, mm-hmm. um, we're so thankful you've written this down, you know, the, your process, your journey, that you put this down for all of us. Cause I know mm-hmm. we're all going to benefit because of it. So.
1: Absolutely. If people are wanting to stay in touch with you or, you know, follow along on your journey, where can they find you? Sure. Well,
2: I love a little Instagram every now and then. So at Moisom on Instagram. Uh, but also MoIsom.com is kind of where our ministry hubs um, you can find all the books on there, as well as we have a lot of free resources like courses and chapter by chapter video guides through the different books. And so Moisem.com is probably a one-stop shop. easiest awesome. spot,
1: And we'll put that in the show notes for sure. So people yeah. can easily link over me. So appreciate, appreciate it. And we're cheering for you. And, you know, as your next baby, you get Come to on. meet your next baby soon. Yeah. soon. I'm sweaty.
2: The- no one can see me, but I'm sweating because <laughs> it's so real. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of pressure on the lungs, but we're going to make it. We're
1: almost uh, at the finish.
0: Absolutely. You're, absolutely. You're awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thanks again for this. It's been absolutely amazing.
1: Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at the unionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Union Movement.